Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue what we started last week, entitled, On Earth as it is in Heaven. And in Matthew chapter 6, I'm only going to be reading two verses today, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says here, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus dealt with everything on earth as not only the creator of all things, but in view of how it all behaved in heaven. And that's where he originally came from. And we looked at that scripture in John chapter 3, when he was talking to Nicodemus. And he says there, If you don't even believe me when I tell you about the things that happen here on earth, that's John 3.12, how can you possibly believe if I tell you what is going on in heaven? Jesus had a very clear understanding of how things are meant to be. When it said that all things were created by Him and for Him, He didn't create all things to get out of line. They were all meant to work perfectly. And because of sin, everything fell out of step. The whole creation started going downhill. All because of sin. And that's the reason why it is silly to say, well, if God's so loving, then how come things are the way they are? Because people sinned. God gave them a perfect world, and they sinned. So, and you know, it is sinful thinking that comes up with garbage like that. Amen. You know, it's always looking to blame somebody else. Have you noticed that? If we only came to the place where we go, hang on a second, God gave it to us perfect, we messed it up, now what can we do about this? Amen. So we're going to see what we can do about this. Especially in the light of what Jesus has done. Now, I said this to you last week, and I'm doing a very quick catch up to get to where I need to today. Last week we also looked at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, where the Apostle Paul says, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that tells us that we have a heavenly vantage point. Okay? So we can't say, oh gee, you know, we're sunk. You know, Jesus came from heaven, He knew exactly what was happening. How can we ever compete with that? Well, there is a verse that tells us that He has made us sit together in heavenly places. Because otherwise, we'd be sunk. We really would be. Amen? So that has been taken care of. Also, it's not enough sitting up there. We also need to understand what's going on. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, Who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him, but we have the mind of Christ. It isn't something that we're hoping to get. And it is something that we should be using right now. Amen? And as with all things, the more you use it, the better you get. The problem is, nobody's using the mind of Christ right now. Not here again, but, you know, generally speaking, in the body of Christ. In fact, they're the furthest thing from the mind of Christ. The stuff that they say, you just, oh dear Lord. Isn't it amazing how we celebrate Easter, and that Jesus died, and that's it. We don't do anything else with it. We do the eggs, but that's it. And just like a lot of the eggs, it's hollow on the inside. Amen? This is not a hollow religion. This is a filled egg. I mean, what Jesus did has repercussions all the way down to right now. 
And it isn't that we're celebrating a death that took place 2,000 years ago. We are celebrating a victory that took place 2,000 years ago. Following the death. There was a resurrection. Amen. And Jesus said, I came back. Now you go. He didn't say, now you go to church and stay there till I come back again. He said, you go into all the world. Now you need to go to church to learn what to do in all the world. Don't go into all the world without church, because then you're the empty egg again. Okay? Hey, you need to go out there with knowledge. Hallelujah. And as you grow in the things of God, you will get smart. Amen to that. So, anyway, getting back to this. So notice again, he says, we have the mind of Christ. That is a statement. Let me stop there for a minute as well. It didn't say we are trying to have the mind of Christ, or, you know, at some stage we'll get it. Please get what he's saying here. He said it as a fact, we have. Do you understand when you say that, if I say you have 20 bucks, you've got 20 bucks. You don't have to pray for it, you've got it. If you need 100, you might have to pray for it. But you got 20. <laughs> Do you understand? You have the mind of Christ. That's not something you have to pray about. It's yours now. And you know what? God is going to hold you responsible for what you did with it. Some of us put it on the shelf and left it there. And we're going to hand him back some cobwebbed filled thing and go, here's your mind back. Do you know it's interesting getting into a little brain science here just for a minute? We all know Einstein, right? Okay. Do you know the guy that did the autopsy on him when he died nicked his brain? Okay, he stole his brain because he wanted to see what all made him so smart. All right, because one of the leading publications said that he changed the way we thought about things. There were five theories that he put forth, and I'm not going to go into them. Changed the way mankind looked at things, which was awesome. So this guy, I want to know, what kind of brain did he have? And you know what they found? And now we understand more about what they found. So I'll give you the understanding. All right. He had used his brain to such a degree that there were areas in his mind that were actually jutting out. His brain was actually jutting out because there were so many neurons there, so many cells there, because he was using it and using it and he had built it up and built it up and built it up to such a degree. And people thought initially, oh, because he had those little bumps in his brain, that's why he was so smart. No, he was smart because he thought... And he used his brain, and that was the result, was the bumps. So whatever brain God gave him, can you imagine, in a sense, if he offered it back to God and said, this is what I did with it, and God will, woo, you multiplied it. It's bigger. <laughs> okay? I think some of the Christians, when they hand their brain back, they go, where is it? Bring the microscope. I don't know why it is we leave our brains at the church door when we come in. Please don't do that. Not in this church. Let's get back to this. It says again that we have the mind of Christ. And you know, with the mind of Christ, that's what allows you to begin your journey of faith. And why Jesus says, if you can believe, that begins in your brain. All things are possible. You need the mind of Christ to believe like that to the place where all things are possible. Because can I tell you what all things to you mean? Something totally different to me. All things to you will be everything that you can imagine. All things to me will be all the things that I can imagine. And not just vain imaginations. I'm talking about what God says we can do. And how I take that and move forward with it. Now, last time we also looked at Mark 11:23 and 24. In light of all things are possible. 
to him that believeth. Jesus following, you know, him cursing a fig tree and the thing actually dying, thank God, Peter said. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> we talked about that last week. Remember he goes in the talk about mountains in Mark eleven twenty three. So let's read that now. He's saying, oh no, not again. Yes, again. Alright. <laughs> he says here, for verily or assuredly, I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. So what, what's the first thing that we identify? Words are necessary. Okay? Alright. Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his mind. No. Heart. Ready for new revelation. He says, if you say to this physical mountain, and you don't doubt in your heart. In the world, what have we been taught? Oh, brother, just use your mind and move things. Telekinesis, they call it. Now, there is a truth to that. Because we know, and I know from science, that your thoughts can change and affect the decay rate of uranium and other nuclear elements. You can actually do that. Your mind has that power. But there's something else. There is something more powerful. And Jesus is saying... Great if you want to move spoons around, but if you want to move a whole mountain, sweetheart, you need something else. The brain isn't going to cut it. Are you getting this? Where does the mind come in? The Apostle Paul says, go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. I want you to see what the differences are here. The Apostle Paul says that, and do not be conformed to this world. I want you to think about what we're talking about now, okay? Don't lose me, alright? Stay with me. (laughs) We're talking about moving mountains. We're talking about believing with the heart. The Apostle Paul writes here and says, do not be conformed to this world. Do you know what being conformed to this world is? Brother, that's impossible! Did you get that? He's saying, can we please not go there? Can we not be restricted by what the world is restricted by? Okay, we can't, we can't allow the world to dictate to us what we can and can't do. We are born again from above. Something happened on the inside of us that the whole world needs to know about. But if the only way we're going to win people is through arguing and talking their heads off, it's not going to work. Because all that has to come along is a better argument and they'll get unsaved, so to speak. You know one of the things that made Jesus' witness so powerful? When dead people come alive, there's not a lot you can argue. (laughs) When people are being healed throughout, I mean people are being thrown at Jesus and being healed. What do you do with that? Now we're going to see when he got upset with something. But what I want you to see here right now is that The Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. I want you to start understanding that that conforming, okay, has to do with what the world says is possible and impossible. And it sets up all of its rules based on that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you just sailed above it all? Somebody at youth asked me a question. Miss Natasha Reitzma asked me a question. She said, when Jesus is walking on the water... Because it says it was a stormy night. Was he walking on the water? How do you walk in a wave that's coming back on you? Now, one of two things. Either the water was calming itself as he was walking, just for him, 
which is a doable thing, or he wasn't actually walking on the water, he was walking over the thing. It didn't matter what was going on under him. You know, for an aircraft in flight, who cares if it's storming underneath? Who cares? You don't ever see a bird going, oh no, there's a storm down there. Big deal. It's only to the poor whatever creature that's stuck in the leaf down there. That's a problem. So I looked the word up. And the word doesn't only mean on and upon, but also over. See, people will only write down what they can manage to imagine in their mind. They're given a choice of how do we translate this word. And they go, oh, well, on the water, obviously. Except it's stormy. Do not be conformed to this world. Okay? Don't get stuck with what the world thinks is possible and impossible. See, what the world tries to do sometimes is bring the impossible into the possible. Just so that they can manage it in their mind. Don't do that. Think a little bit. When you're reading, see what's going on. Ask the question, how can he do that? I would love to take you there, but I don't have time right now. Because I want to move on here. So I should. Okay. (laughs) In Romans 12 too, he says, Therefore, do not be conformed to this world. But he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Okay? He's saying, stop thinking the way you're thinking. Because that's going to mess everything up. Now watch what he says. Once you change that way of thinking... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God's perfect will happens when you change your mind about what's acceptable and unacceptable in this world. About what can and cannot be done. About what restrictions the world have put on you. And God saying, all things are possible. Yeah, but if I wanted to become a chicken, can I? Yes! <laughs> Oh, brother, that's a bit much. You see? We're having a problem again. All it is, it's a rearrangement of molecules. See, we need to get back down to this level now. What we see is man, chicken. wonder if we can lay an egg. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> We'd save on eggs, wouldn't we? Okay. <laughs> I'm not even going there today. <laughs> so, and have you seen the yolk on some of those? Anyway. <laughs> Listen, this is important. The world must not tell us what we can and can't do. If the Bible says you can't do something, fair enough. Don't go there. But if it doesn't, then who are you to come up with stuff and think it's so ridiculous? And this is how they present it to us. Something so ridiculous that they won't even allow you to enter into that level of thinking. We must not be conformed To that way of thinking. To their restrictions. To what they can and can't do. That's what they can and can't do. Not you. You have something going on on the inside of you called a new birth. You have a greater one living on the inside of you called God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. You have His mind. You have the Godhead in you. It's all in there. What are you doing with it? Oh brother, I can't do that. Why? Because we are grasshoppers in our own sight? Can we stop being grasshoppers in our own sight? That's in numbers, alright? Back to this. He says, by the renewal of your mind again, that you may prove what is God's perfect will. Now, can, let me just take this across to Mark eleven twenty-three. 
So what's the point of your mind? It's to allow your heart to do what God said it can actually do. You see, the renewing of your mind is to say all things are possible. So that whenever you come across something, that your mind doesn't get in the way and go, Oh, my training tells me this, or the world tells me that, or the professional said this. Whatever it is, it needs to get to the place where you go, You know what? Forget about all of that. I am over here now. I am believing what Jesus said. I choose to believe. Remember we talked about that? This is a choice you make. Some people don't want to choose to believe this. Fair enough. Won't work for you? Great. No problem. Leave us to believe. Okay? Choose to believe this. Choose to believe all things are possible. Choose to believe that Jesus didn't lie. Choose to believe that when Jesus opened his mouth and revealed this, it was huge. No wonder Kenneth Hagin preaches for 50 years. Amen. Notice, okay? <laughs> but it's up to us not to just go over the same revelation. We need to go higher. To honor Him, we need to go higher. Do you understand? Can we do that? So, what needs to happen with your mind is it needs to be renewed. If you renew your mind so it doesn't get in the way of stuff, then it opens the way for your heart to start believing the way it was designed to believe. Question comes up then, how come more isn't happening? The answer is found in verses 25 and 26. So let me read through verses 23 through 26. Can we do that? Follow now. He says, Verily, very, uh, or surely I say to you, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, okay, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, that's words. I have a prayer in my heart. Well, speak it out, sweetheart. Okay? <laughs> when you're dealing with mountains, you need to say something. Alright? He says, what, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Again, believe what you're saying. Alright? And you shall have them. Let's jump to verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Now, Jesus, what, what is this about? What have I just revealed to you? Where's the power? In the heart, right? The power is in your heart. Your heart is the power center. So the thing that Satan needs to do, oh, watch this now. Now you'll understand why Jesus refused to get into strife. If he ever got angry, it was a righteous anger. But there was never a bitterness or anything else. Even when they crucified him, he said, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Even then, he kept his heart right. Do you know why now? Come on, you can piece this one together yourself, I'm sure. The whole reason that the devil brings strife and division and anger and bitterness and all that is to compromise your power center. He will do things to shut the place where you are meant to release power from every which way he can. Now you understand why it says that all these things come for the Word's sake. Because the Word is teaching you that your power center is your heart. You need to renew your mind. As you begin to walk in this, then all things will become possible. There will be nothing that's impossible to you. That's the Word you get. And the devil goes, Oh, that's going to be a problem. We need to shut the power center down. So as soon as they go outside, let's uh, give them a flat tire. And they come out. 
And you go, oh no, a flat tire. What happens? It affects your heart. And then you know what? You immediately go into natural thinking. Need to get the tire out and the spare out and get the thingy that you push it up with and yada yada yada. And oh dear God, and I'm in my Sunday best. Gee, thanks God. And the devil goes, yeah, we got it. Woohoo! High five. <laughs> You're with me. Or you get home and you're just having this great euphoria that you've been at church. And you walk in and you get this horrible burning smell. And the one looks at the other and goes, you did turn the stove off before we went, right? I thought you did. What? You know I never do that. And we're off again. Bing! Next one off the list. Who else do we have? Oh, that one, that one. That one looks excited. Let's go mess them up. Guard your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the forces of life, the issues of life, the forces of life. That's where it is. That's why you have to be careful what you let in. Then the writer says, be careful what you look at, be careful what you listen to. Those are your gateways into your heart. Somebody says, but I'm a blind person. You know what I mean. Braille, if, it, if that's the way it gets in. <laughs> Whatever avenues you take to get the word in, just be careful what you're putting in. Because whatever you put in is either going to build that heart and build that power up. Or it is going to diminish it more and more and more until you have nothing there. And then when you have to believe and receive something, there's nothing there. Do you know you can have a perfectly working machine? But if the battery is flat, it's all there, but no juice. End of story. And you know that's what the devil does through the week. Flat out your battery. So that when you want to believe for something, it ain't there. And you're thinking in your head, but I believe this. Yeah, but there's no power to back it up. You can believe in your head, but what you need to do is be able to believe in your heart. And allow that thing to come out. Do you understand? Alright. Can we trek now? Remember I said you need to renew your mind. To the place where it's not a ridiculous thing to talk to mountains. It's not a ridiculous thing to talk to the wind. It's not a ridiculous thing to talk to the water. It's not a ridiculous thing to talk to trees. Don't do it in public loud and too often. <laughs> okay? But do you understand what I'm saying? Alright? You need to get to the place where that's not a problem to you. Now, you need to be wise about how you do it. And understand something. Are you ready for this revelation? It will truly bless you. Things aren't deaf. You don't have to yell it at the top of your voice. Jesus didn't say, if you yell at this mountain and scream at it continually, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and you keep nagging at it long enough, it will move. Husbands and wives, that goes with trying to get your partner saved as well. Okay. <laughs> Okay? If I nag and yell at him long enough, he won't get saved. He'll move. Okay? That's not how you get him saved, man. You get him saved by speaking faith. Not speaking loud. Speaking faith. And you can do that under your breath. The number of times I've done that. Amen. And you wouldn't be able to hear me if you were right next to me. Do you know why? It doesn't have a hearing problem. God doesn't have a hearing problem. That's all that matters to me. If it and God hears, it's enough. I know the devil doesn't have a hearing problem. I know he's old and decrepit, but you know. <laughs> the faith kicks him in the head and goes, what, what? I think there was something there I was meant to hear. <laughs> so just know it will be taken care of. Amen. Amen.
All right. Praise God. Go to the next page. <laughs> Go to Mark chapter 3, please. Mark chapter 3. If we have to finish here, we'll finish here. The reason I'm including this is there is a thought out there that, oh, it's only when you're peaceful that the power will flow. And I've had that thought too. I want to show you something else. There is a place for anger. And it is a place that will allow power to come out. Because when you're angry, you're very focused. A scattered brain person can't get angry. Because they forget what they're angry about. <laughs> about two seconds later. You know what I'm trying to say? You have to be focused to be mad. Listen, it was put there for a purpose. There are some times you need to get mad at things and stay focused. Amen? Because just because you forget doesn't mean the devil forgot. That's right. You need to do something about it. Here we go. Mark chapter 3. I've been reading in verses 1 through 6. And this is Jesus. And he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. Verse 2. So they watched him closely. Watch now. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. So that they might accuse him. Not like they ever healed anybody any day of the week. This is bad. Okay? And he said to the man, that Jesus knew what's going on. In total defiance of all of what they're thinking. And Jesus said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. You want something? I'll give you something. He's, he's, okay? Verse 4. Then he said to them, see he turns around and talks to them now. He says, you, come here. Now, the rest of you, listen. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Bunch of unsanctified, self-righteous. I want to say a lot of other words, but I won't. Okay? <laughs> and notice it says, but they kept silent. You know why? Because he was exactly right. Their anger is unrighteous. There are two angers going on here. Watch this now. We're going to see how their anger is going to manifest. We're going to see how Jesus' anger is going to manifest. Alright? <clears throat> and when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out, see they're mad, and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Did you see that? One angle was unrighteous, and it's looking to take a life. The other angle was righteous, and it was looking to heal. Amen. Don't think because you got angry, you fell out of God's will. Depends why you got angry. And what did you do? Did you plot to kill? <laughs> okay. Or did you heal? Oh, that's... Think about that. Usually when we get angry. Oh yeah, the plot begins. And we could do this, and we could do that, and fall off a cliff. And Yeah, no. That's a wrong kind of anger. It was righteous anger. No, you killed the guy in your head. That's not righteous. Okay. Yeah, but the whole planet will be better off. That may be true, but it's still not right. <laughs> okay. All right. okay. All right, so, I'm talking about the heart. I'm talking about what can compromise the heart and stop you from believing the impossible. Amen? From doing things that will be considered just unbelievable. And you need to know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. 
What will allow you to move that mountain and what's going to get in the way of moving that mountain? We all have mountains. I know they're not physical mountains, they're metaphorical mountains. But sweetheart, understand something. If you can move a physical mountain, you can move a metaphorical mountain. Alright, whether it's dead or sickness or whatever it is. But you need to know this. You need to know this. If you don't know this, it's not going to work. That's why the Bible says, God says, I think it's in Hosea 4.6, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because they don't understand, they do all the wrong things. Then they end up lacking power at the end of the day. But it's all because of a lack of knowledge. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change how you think. Get some new thoughts in there. Amen? And then allow that to release the power that's on the inside of you, so it can come out and do the things that God asks you to do. That is a witness nobody can deny. The Apostle Paul said that we should be epistles read of all men. What are they reading? Amen? Now, let me just stop here for one minute. And say this, please do not be condemned about what you can't do right now. Because that will attack your heart. There is now, Romans 8, 1, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You can't have condemnation because the heart will get wrecked. You have to protect your heart. That also means that if you do something wrong, confess the thing. Don't leave it there to wreck your heart. Are you beginning to understand the scope of this thing? You're beginning to understand why God says, if you do something wrong, hurry up, admit the thing. Get it out. Don't let it go in there and start hacking away at your power center. Amen. And that's the reason why He says, if you have ought against any, if, if there's anything in there that is causing your power flow to diminish, get rid of it. Yeah, but they deserve it. Yeah, but you don't deserve. Listen. You don't deserve to suffer and go without your miracle because they did something stupid which they should have not done. Which The devil instigated it, obviously. wasn't God. Amen? Obviously he did it. Why? So that you would have this reaction. Interesting, isn't it? Do you want some science? I'm giving it to you anyway. <laughs> Here's some science. They gave an injury to two different groups. And they said to one group, argue, get into strife. And they said to the other group, have conversations. Maybe you have differing opinions, but don't argue. Don't get into strife. Okay? And they said, go for it. And they didn't care about their arguments. and They just cared whether there was, it was done the way they asked. And you know what they found? That the people that had been hurt, that were arguing and in strife, their wounds wouldn't heal because the body was overworked trying to do stuff. And the ones that didn't get in the strife, their wound healed. Same wound, same situation. It wasn't just one person and one person. It was a whole group. Two different groups. Are you beginning to see something? You have sickness in your body and you are trying to fight this and you're trying to believe. Do you know what? Just in your attitudes, you are destroying that. You are coming against even your own body's ability to heal itself, which God put in there. Are you all here? And we need to learn some of this stuff. You need to understand what is actually going on. When God says, don't get into strife, don't get into bitterness and envy and all that stuff, He's saying you are destroying yourself. He's saying there is a power in you that can literally move mountains. But only if you protect it. Watch over it. 
Keep your heart with all diligence. Can you put that scripture up? I think it's Proverbs 4.23. It says, Keep your heart with all diligence. With all diligence. Are you beginning to understand that now? Watch out. Anything that starts to get in there, that's going to compromise it, get it out. Forgive them, whatever it is. Ask God to forgive you. If you did something dumb, I don't care. Just keep it out. Amen? Just straight away. I don't care if it was a really bad thing somebody did to you. Don't let it in. Your mind will want to, but don't allow it. Just say no. Do you know, you understand the difference between your mind and your brain? I don't have time. Anyway. (laughs) Your mind, your brain stores information. It, It is like your hard drive. Okay, it stores stuff and it will bring stuff up. But your mind can decide whether you want to listen to that stuff or not. That's your ability to control what you think about. Philippians 4.8 Think on these things. You have a choice about what you think about. Amen? And I'm saying to you, think about the things that will generate life and will strengthen your heart that will move mountains. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are flowing Forces that you have no idea how powerful they are. Amen? We'll stop there. We'll pick this up next time. On earth, as it is in heaven. The only way that we are going to bring that about is if we begin to walk the way Jesus walked. Amen? Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word.